The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. All right, it's another crew episode of The Adventure Jogger, because when you have tough miles, you need a good crew to get you through those tough miles. We have an amazing crew for you on this episode. First off, of course, we have Jeff Stafford. What's up, people? How are you doing, Jeff? (sighs) Having a cold PBR. That's what he's doing right now. Got a cold PBR. Uh, We also have Ben Smitherman. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome to the crew. Glad to be here. Well, you threw down a massive, awesome time in a 50K for the East versus West Challenge. You went out, what was it? It was like 406? Uh, 352. Come on, man. Feelings here. Say that time again, Ben. So three fifty-two. All right, a sub four. Three uh, sub four. He goes and throws down a sub four. Also, we have Donna England on the crew tonight. Donna, Hello. welcome. Thank Donna, you. you've been running ultras back when they were thirty dollars to run a race, and you got a shirt. Yes, Is and it? a good shirt. That. <laughs> I kind of want to mm. give everybody uh, just a, a little bit about you guys to know who you are but i thought first we'd start off with a little game called white claw roulette mm. now we have uh the the accessory pack the variety pack of white claw and i need each we're all each going to grab randomly blindly a white claw from the variety pack and we're going to give a good solid review of the claw now donna you've never had a claw before nope never had a claw Smitherman? I'm not going to confirm nor deny <laughs> having ever had a white claw. So your choices will be you may grab a natural lime, a raspberry, a ruby grapefruit, or a black cherry. Donna England, you go first. And I might add, mis- missing from this package is the mango flavor. And you're a big fan of the mango. Yeah. All right. All right. Ooh, What'd you get? Black cherry. Black cherry. There you go. All right. Ben, yeah. I'm going to... Grab the pass that over there, Donna. It's the pass around pack. All right. Here we go. Random choice. Raspberry. Okay. Was that two raspberries? Nope. Oh, you got black, black cherry. cherry. Okay. All right. Jeff Stafford. Do I do I need one? Yeah, you put the PBR. Right, I'm gonna aside. do it. I'm gonna do it without looking. Okay. <laughs> we're we're at Stafford's house, so it doesn't matter. Isn't that what random picking is? I got the natural line. Ooh. All right. Here we go. And I'm going to. Uh, I have the ruby grapefruit. Hey, we got the whole pack. (laughs) Here we go, everybody. All right, little white claw roulette. Oops. I've never had the ruby grapefruit before. Smitherman, what do you think? Um... Yeah, uh, it's it's it's. Uh, it, are we sponsored by White Claw? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 should I say here? Yeah, no, you can be completely honest. Uh, it's hitting the spot right now. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get as many calories in tonight as possible. I'm not sure this is. I might have to drink seven or eight of these right. to get right. the requisite calories in. <laughs> ben, by the way, is trying a uh, fastest known time tomorrow on the North South Trail at Land Between the Lakes. Wow. Yep. So that hundred calories in the White Claw is gonna gonna really it, help out. It's probably going to be what makes or breaks me. That will. Exactly. That will. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Donna, your first claw. 
it's not bad. I mean, it tastes better than I suspected it might. What did you think it was? What was your... I don't know. I mean, Were you thinking... sparkling water maybe type thing. Yeah, know? like a LaCroix or something. Yeah. One but of those. I do like the black cherry taste. Yeah, that's okay. Stafford, what do you think of that lime? I like it, but it's not as good as the raspberry. Okay. Stafford's liking the raspberry. I'll tell you what. This ruby grapefruit... It kind of, you, have you had LaCroix before, which it kind of tastes like, it was, it's sparkling water that maybe was transported in a car that maybe had some <laughs> strawberries nearby, and that's how it gets the strawberry flavor. Somebody yeah. ate a bag of grapes and burped into the, into the can. Like, oh, strawberry, excellent. Oh, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, but that's what it kind of tastes like. It tastes like maybe somebody... Like there was a grapefruit nearby right. at some point. And it's, it's probably a lot more expensive than my car. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. So the, right. Black, the black cherry's not bad, though. Yeah. <clears throat> I do like the black cherry. Stafford likes the black cherry. Andy likes the raspberry. raspberry. Yeah. He's a big fan of the raspberry. All right. Let's talk about some running here. Donna, yeah. let's get the Adventure Jogger listeners to know who you are. You you've ran your first ultra. It was the Nashville Ultra, which I believe is now defunct, and that yes. was quite a while ago, right? Yes, yes. Um, can't remember the year for sure, but yes, it was uh, my first fifty k. Yeah, and I done it in just like five five oh four, which isn't as fast as our <laughs> guest over here. But hey, for our an speedy old, friend, old, yeah. older older. <laughs> An older person doing the, her first 50K, I was really pleased with it. No, and Ben, you just gave her some major cred for that time. Yeah, so my first 50K was uh, 5.06, so not quite 5.01. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll, take a si- I'll take a seat here. That's, that's really solid. Not too shabby. And then you told me earlier, because we were before we had a white claw, we were talking a little bit. You, you then jumped straight from 50K into the 100 world. Yes. Yes. And you did a race called the Pistol 100, which is in Tennessee. Yes. How did, how did that go making that transition from 50K <sighs> to 100 miles? I, I, my whole first instinct of it was is just to keep moving. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought I had all the uh, particulars that I needed to have to do this race. And in my mind, I'm thinking, just keep moving. So that's what I did. I went there, kept moving, moved so much. I didn't change shoes, didn't change socks, didn't even bring a crew with me. I'm thinking, okay, you just got to keep moving. Stopped every now and then. My family would come check on me after they'd been to Gatlinburg visiting and tasting the moonshine. They'd come back and say, are you done yet? And I'm like, no, not yet. So my first first hundred miler was like 26 hours and some few minutes or something, you know, so... I thought it was a success, so I'll take it. <laughs> I just love that your family went to Gatlinburg and oh, was yeah. doing the yeah. whole like we're gonna yeah. let's go let's go check some moonshine. Let's dump stuff. mom. Let's go. Exactly, and that's the way it was. They dumped me out, you know, and I had, had the car, uh, my stuff there uh, for a little bit. I get what I want. Of course, you know they weren't there very long, and I'd go, okay, I'm good, I'm good, and I'd keep going, keep going, and they'd come back later. But you know, it, it worked out good. Had a a few bruised toes, toenails. Yeah. 
but other than that it was fine no blisters no nothing so it was it was a good good race and that was kind of the the bug was had, yes. had bit you at that point yes because you've gone on to do races like vol state yes which yep. you and stafford before we started recording started going on a little vol state kick oh yeah the yeah. 500k across tennessee yeah. in the middle of june which yeah. is a, a stupid idea for a lot of people but yeah. you, you've got that finisher's jacket <laughs> to say the least <laughs> <laughs> Something else that you've done, uh, races, you've done the Jackal Marathons. Yes. Which, this is also crazy. This is, yes. it's five marathons. And five five, da- five consecutive days. days. And it's all in the middle of the summer, Tennessee. Yes, it's in June. It's in Jackson, Tennessee. Um, you have, a, like, starts on a Saturday. You have a trail, one trail marathon on saturday sunday you do the same trail but you reverse it the back ass jackal yeah. yes the back ass uh then you go to um oh what is the name of the uh it's on down the road a little piece yeah. it's a green way they have there yeah and you do the same thing you do the next day you do it one way and then you reverse it the next and then the dragon i think it's the dragon fly those are the ones on asphalt and then you go to do the uh there's a final trail one. Is yes, and what is the name? I cannot I think remember. of the name of it right now, but it's on trail and blacktop. So you get a combination of all of it, which that is the hardest one. Of course, he has it on the very last day. Yeah. And I... I when you're I, raring to go. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, you don't you don't think about it, but when you do your first one, you think, oh my gosh, you go through the second one, you're a little sore. By the third and fourth one, ah, you're flying through it. Seriously. You know, everything, nothing's hurting by that time, and you do the fifth it's one. because you're, you're numb. You're, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so you, you actually make it through it pretty good, because, you know, you just have to get it in your mind. I just got one more left. I guess one more of these. And of course, you get the buckle and all that, which I've done that three years in a row. Yeah. I've done it... Uh, Two years to train for um, Ball State. Ball State. Yeah. And then I went back one other year, and then I didn't do Ball State that next year. But I'm like, I will go back and try it. But it, it's neat. And if you ever get a chance, it's a good one to go do. I mean, if you want to really challenge yourself, uh, even the year I done Ball State, I did seven marathons in seven days in seven different states with the mainly marathons. Wow. And when you when you add them together, yeah, it turns out it's 314 miles. Which is what Ball State. Yeah. So I did the 314 miles before I ever got to Ball State to do the 314 miles. If you you know if you yeah. think about it that way. So I had quite a bit of mileage in that that year doing all that. You did. Uh, ben, do you want to pad your stats real quick before we can turn to you? I don't. I don't think that I have any stats to compare to that. Uh, I, I I've I've done back to back marathons. Uh, I did, uh, but one was a it was. A, the Louisville, uh, which marathon in Louisville was the Derby? it? Derby. Yeah, it was the Kentucky Derby. Derby Marathon. And the next day they had the Backside Trail Marathon, uh, which was really fun. Uh, the Derby Marathon, as far as road marathons go, was was fantastic. It was well put together. The course was pretty fast. You get to run through, uh, you know, the the, the, the Derby. Downs. Yeah, the Derby track there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then the next day, because I had no idea what my body would do, uh, I was completely wrecked and still turned around and uh, had a, a second overall finish 
on the trails that day. I completely benefited from it being a complete washout. It was a muddy mess. Uh, everybody was slipping and sliding all over the place. So all I had to do was go forward and, and ended up uh, sneaking away with some prizes. But yeah, two marathons in two days was at that point the most I'd ever done. Uh, I was actually getting ready uh, for the Penhody 100 that year. And wow. so that was part of my training process. That's where I first met you was at yeah. Penhody, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, that was that's my one and only 100 uh, at this point. I'm, I'm excited about getting into more of them. He's like, never again. Yeah. No. Uh, That's what they all say. Yeah. Well, uh, when I first, uh, when I did it, I actually had uh, a torn peroneal tendon in my foot and a really bad IT band. And so, Wait, you did Pinhoti with a bad IT band and messed up foot? Yeah, so uh, after that, I wasn't able to run for six months, had to have surgery, rebuilt peroneal tendon. Uh, and uh, Like I said, never again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I actually was on the shelf for, for about a full year, uh, no running after that. And I, I mean, I knew I was injured when I ran it, but yeah. I had trained for like eight solid months. So it didn't matter how hurt I was. If I could get to the finish line, I was going to get there. Uh, but yeah, uh, at the time I thought, all right, I, I checked that off my list. I don't have to do that again <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, but you've kind of gotten bit, bit again by the bug. Yeah. So, uh, I actually got, I didn't get into trail running the, uh, the old fashioned way by like liking being outside. Uh, <laughs> I got in it because, uh, again, I got, I was really trying to go fast on the roads, uh, and got injured. And so bought a bike, which is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> uh, and, uh, there's this really, really expensive, uh, sport full oh, of people yes. that I don't like very much called triathlon. Oh. Why don't you wax poetic on why you don't like triathlons for a minute, then? Uh, man, it's, it's expensive. Uh, it's not friendly. It's just so it's frenetic. Like when you go to a triathlon, everybody is so intense. Is it political? And Oh gosh, I don't know what it is. I, everybody's just so caught up on my train zone has to be so fast and yeah. I'm like man if I get the aid station and they've got like pigs in a blanket and a cold beer I might <laughs> hang out for 15 minutes not in a triathlon no you gotta you know you, you gotta don't wear socks because that takes too long like it's it's just too intense uh, but it turns out that I was pretty good at it um, and so I got into I guess ultra distance uh, stuff through triathlon I did my first Ironman uh, and then I was in really good shape. So I thought, well, I can do a 50 miler. Why not? And a 50 miler turned out to be a lot less training and a lot more fun than uh, Ironman triathlon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like this. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can drink beer and do it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, not yeah, concurrently. We've done a marathon like that. We ran, ran in with a beer. Well, that's our oh. new thing is we hide a beer a half mile from the, from the finish. finish line. Oh. And then so let me we, grab yeah, it. Yeah. So my last, the last Ironman I, uh, I competed in, I dehydrated terrible on the bike and I just, my race fell apart, uh, probably about mile 70 or mile 80 on the bike. I knew I was having a bad day. So when I got to the run, I didn't even bother trying to race a time. Uh, and, uh, it was a, a two loop course. And, uh, on the second loop, probably about mile 
19, 20, something like that. There was a group of what appeared to be rowdy college boys, and they had uh, a, a bucket of ice and some pony Bud Lights sitting in the middle of the road, and it had some corny sign like, like drink a beer and marry me or something. And so I stopped and <laughs> shotgunned a couple of beers, and I thought these boys' panties were coming off. It was fantastic. They're like, oh, my God, how can you do that? I'm like, oh, it's one and I'm thirsty, so. Did you do the Louisville Ironman? Was it? No, oh, no. Okay. I, uh, I did uh, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, Chattanooga were the Chat. two races. Uh, I used to volunteer and go up on Louisville during and do the uh, water stop for the marathon at the Louisville. And, and some of them, like your first five front runners, men and women, would have a bike with them and ride up there and tell you what they're wanting. They're coming running. I'm like, how? Is this fair for everybody else in the race? Yes. You know, and they were like some of the most, I don't know what to call them, anal people. <laughs> it might be a good way to put it. They thought they should have everything just handed to them just as nice and easy and get out of their way and all this. And, you know, and in the middle of the Packer, people started coming in. They were some of the nicest mm-hmm. people. They'd thank you for being there and handing them stuff. But, you know, and I'm thinking, You've got a big advantage here by somebody leading you on a bike and bringing stuff to you and handing it to you, you know. And so I never did quite understand the triathlete thing, you know, the triathlon thing, did how, that how they work. Ben, did you not have a person with a bike? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not. I'm not a front runner. I'm. A, I wouldn't. I guess I'm not exactly a mid packer, but I'm definitely not a front runner. I'm somewhere in that in between, that gray area of people that still have hope. You should have you. Somebody on the bike. I should. Right yeah. along uh, and, and, no, and nobody loves me that much. My family, like yours, uh, with the exception of hey, they dump you and go. Yeah, yeah. we'll be back later, maybe. My wife, who is the greatest crew chief crew member ever, she's. Uh, we we actually just spent seven hours today doing recon work for my run tomorrow. She doesn't run a step. Oh man. She is not a runner. She is just not an athlete. But she loves, loves, loves going out and supporting uh, my. Uh, uh, one of my stepsons was a, a college cross-country runner, uh, and uh, our, our other stepson was a, a great athlete in his own right. Is a coach now here in town, uh, so she's been around sports. Uh, my daughter is uh, she knows how to uh, an do athlete it. as well, so she's always been around sports. Best cheerleader in the world knows exactly how to throw a banana at me in the middle of a race. Uh, she, you know, when I say I want a Coca-Cola. She'll drop what she has to get to go get my Coca-Cola mid-race because uh, that's one of my that's one of my guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. Good, now, on my account, Coke. my husband be sitting there drinking that Coca-Cola. I wouldn't get it. <laughs> He'd be sitting there drinking it, maybe waiting for me to come around. I'm like, no, that would yeah. never happen. She uh, she keeps brown towels around. That's another story because you know maybe brown I towel? maybe I uh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, hang on, Ben. Uh, let's let's go ahead. <laughs> I know. This is going. I no reason to, to hold off on this. We couldn't have a show complete without talking about that. No, no, we really couldn't. Ben, what's with the brown towels? Yeah, so uh, uh, at Pinhoti, uh, where we met at about mile 97, oh, apparently, uh, I don't remember much of this at all. <laughs> uh, middle of the night, you know, 1 a.m. or something. Uh, I look over at, at my buddy, Bob, that's, uh, that's, that's pacing me, and I say, well, it finally happened. And I'm still just jogging along. And he looks at me, he's like, what, what happened? You know, he, he does the good pacer role. Like, all right, let's do a quick body check. Let's do a self check. Like, keep moving forward. Are you okay? Uh, and I, he says that my quote was, I shit myself. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh. Yes. Uh, oh and I, I was wearing uh, some American flag running shorts, and so I had the stars and stripes and stripes. Uh, and the last three, three and a half miles was red, white, and brown. Exactly. Just, just peanut butter all the way. Uh, oh my gosh. And so yeah, the the joke was uh, Susan was glad that we had a brown towel in the van. <laughs> Uh, and I don't even like it, it got worse from there. Like that was that was I've, the easy part. Yeah. I've witnessed this for this guy firsthand at the Ozarks 100. That's right. Yeah. Same same issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except I was no brown towel. Actually, yeah, no brown towel. No. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a woman right there that uh, loves you through thick I, and thin. I, I joke regularly that uh, the the gastrointestinal event that occurred in the hotel bathroom that night. <laughs> She was, Explosion. she was in there and it was this jank little motel because uh, we didn't know how long it was going to take me. We didn't know if we were staying the night or we were and there's back really in the no morning. great places to stay. There. No, there's not five star resorts. No. You're in Silicaga, Alabama. That's, yeah. you know, Ball, there's all state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably know from all state. Nothing yeah. but the best. Yeah. So my uh, my two pacer buddies, they just fell out and crashed. Uh, Susan, meanwhile, was helping me shower and clean up. And I was like, oh. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I hit the toilet and it the door of the bathroom opened in. And so she couldn't get out. <laughs> that was the moment I realized that she truly loved me. Oh, that was it. I had my She's suspicions until that moment. Uh, so ultra running has brought us together. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's love. Donna. Do you have any moments with your husband that would rival Ben's um, wife cleaning him up after Penhody? I'll admit he's never had to help me with anything like that. But as to, I ran the. Um, Donna's ran so many races she can't. I know. Keep them all I'm straight. trying to think. It's a Hatfield McCoy marathon. Okay, all right. And I had a chance to get into Steve Durbin's uh, Run Under the Stars, Ruts. which happens that night. It happens on the same day, which. You know, I'm up in eastern Kentucky, West So Virginia. you decided to do the Hatfield and McCoy Marathon yes. and then go do Run right. Under yes. the Stars. So I go and run the marathon, get done with the marathon. You Makes get a sense. free You get a free barbecue meal. So after I get done running, I go get my meal. I'm heading to the hotel. My husband's up there. Uh, run through the shower and change clothes. We get in the car and we head out for Paducah. Yeah. And he drives me all the way across the state, takes me over to Paducah, drops me, and I get there. Of course, it starts like at 8 o'clock at night, I think. We get there maybe 30 minutes ahead of time. Of course, here I am nervous because I always like to get at a race like an hour ahead of time, check everything out, yeah. make sure you got everything. So I'm just nervous. And he drops me off, make sure I get started, and I do a loop. And he call he had called my daughter and she's coming to pick him up so yeah. there again i mean bless his heart he did drive me all across the state but he drops me there <laughs> daughter comes picks him up and they head home <laughs> so i'm up for 10 more hours we're going running. for moonshine we'll see you later you know so i done a, a 26 uh mile marathon and then that night i ended up doing 30 something mile 34 maybe yeah. 36 something oh, like that, just, that night well, 36 yeah, just, you know <laughs> and then have to drive home but you know that doesn't nowhere uh, match what his wife helped him do so <laughs> we need to get your spouses together yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe mine can give yours some tips. Exactly, exactly. And Donna's husband can give your wife some tips about not wiping your ass. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's why I don't do it myself. Why should I? I... Uh, But I will say now, we have been married for quite a few years. Uh, Come July, we'll be married 40 years. Yeah. We have two two grown children, so we you know we made it work. You know he does his stuff and I'll do mine, but we come together when we need each other. So I guess that's 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 the Donna wants to put that out there because people are going like he can't keep up with Ben Smitherman's wife. <laughs> I know you can't top that. Right, everybody is sitting there going, "He's a great husband. He just doesn't want to watch Donna run in circles for hours." Exactly, and I can't, so, I can't blame him. So I, I do have to tell one story about how Ryan has absolutely influenced my marriage recently. Uh, uh, jokingly sent a message about how I was pretty famous in the Lafayette Road region of North Clarksville, which is a pretty, pretty elite company. You know, the Lafayette Road. <laughs> section of North Clarksville, uh, to which he replied that I was the uh, legend of Lafayette. <laughs> I, I can't make this up. The other night, we're sitting around watching some Netflix or whatever it is old people do, and uh, my wife looks over and unironically says, I bagged the legend of Lafayette. <laughs> Yeah, baby. I have never felt so loved. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I'm glad I could bring some joy to your marriage, Ben. Stafford, have you ever had a situation at a race where someone has done something similar to Smitherman's wife? Have you had a great piece of trail love? No. You've not really been taken care of, have you? No. Look at how sad that sounds too. That sounds so sad. No, it's all it's all private and secret. <laughs> but I have shit my pants at a race. You have, yeah. yeah and yet, what was that? It was Black Canyon, right? And you yeah. had to wash it out in a puddle in a raging thunderstorm with ice pellets going sideways. <laughs> we, we need to do a poll and find out because there are four people at this table, <laughs> three males. All have admitted to shitting themselves. One female who is not. There, we need a poll. We I will to have to admit, out. I have never done it. Knock on wood. Now, if I go home and run tomorrow, <laughs> and this happens to me, I'm coming back for you guys. <laughs> I'm just warning you. I'll just you. give you a little tip. Always run with wipes. Oh. Wipes or a paper towel. Paper towel is fantastic. Or a sock. Paper a towel sock. gets wet. Well, if and you it's keep not it usable. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan has proven a sock will do in a pinch, though. I, I went this. back and got that I sock, seen by that. the way. I seen if that. you listened last last crew episode, I will I went admit, back though, I would have never used a ten dollars sock. Do you, do you? If you're in the woods, there's plenty of leaves around. <laughs> hey, I'm a country girl. There's all kinds of stuff you can use besides a, a, a ten dollars sock. <laughs> I'm not messing up no good good socks. I remember I did make a wet wipe once out of paper towel and and spit and Gatorade oh for 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 a friend of ours who may want to remain nameless. At a I'm big sure, race, I'm sure. It was like it was it was pretty late in the race. Got any wipes, dude? Right. And he's like, I think I just I just shit my pants. Do you have any wipes? I'm like, I don't I don't have any, but I have I have a paper towel and I've got some some Gatorade slash sports drink slash spit. And so that was a you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. I just feel like that would make it stickier. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a bad choice. 
All right. Let's let's see if we can draw some some value out of this crew episode. It always goes to shit. I don't know why. Always, yeah. It always goes there. That's we got to earn that E on the uh, <laughs> on the lower bottom right of the podcast. But I want to talk about something that we're dealing with here now in the South that maybe listeners in other parts of the country aren't dealing with yet. But it's heat acclimation. We're here in Tennessee where usually by mid-April, we're 90 degrees with 90% humidity. And I kind of wanted to go around the horn and talk about some things that you do to acclimate to the heat. So as people are getting warmer in areas, they can, you know, maybe experience it a little less brutal and adjusting to the heat. Donna, what advice would you have for people when it comes to heat acclimation? Really, you just have to get out there. I know you don't want to, and it's a mental thing, uh, but if you're going to do crazy stuff like Ball State and the Jackals, you just have to get out there and get in it. I usually, like most people, get out early in the mornings, but I try to get out uh, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon and go run. Yeah, you're you know you're not going to go as fast doing it at that time of day as you would in the morning or you're late in the evening. But you're not going to get acclimated if you don't get out there and get going. Plus, like I said, you know I'm I'm on a farm and before I ever done the uh, Vol State, I was working in the tobacco patch in the hot, beating down sun day after day for two or three weeks before Ball State. So that kind of helped me. I don't know. I mean, not many people race tobacco anymore, so, I, you know, that's not going to help a lot of people. But you just have to get out there. You just have to do it. Get it in your mind. You're going to go out there, and you're going to do it. So are you offering up free uh, bunks at the England farm? We will train you. <laughs> we will get you acclimated. <laughs> However long you want to come stay, we've got it. You Donna know, England has a whole lot of tobacco that's got to be taken <laughs> care of, and she needs your help. She will train you and heat acclimate you for Vol State by having you pick tobacco. Ben, how long have you been in the South? Have you lived here your whole life? Yeah, so uh, I was born in, in Alabama, actually, so okay. a little farther south. Yeah, uh, I've been in Clarksville since I was seven. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, for with the exception of a little military stint, my stepdad in, in Germany, we've always been in the South uh, and running in the soup, uh, right. as we refer to it. Uh, the uh, When I coached high school cross country, uh, this was a much, much bigger issue for, for kids who were out of shape, who didn't run year round, who didn't necessarily love the sport. Uh, being hot and sweaty was, was a, a, a lot more difficult for them to acclimate to. And so we did the normal stuff. Uh, we ran in the mornings. Uh, we broke our workouts up into chunks. Uh, I, I think that that's important for a lot of experienced runners is to realize that, hey, you can run two or three miles and take a break and catch some water and, uh, you know, cool off, you know, wear uh, a hat and put some ice in it. Uh, that's a good trick. Uh, or, you know, little neck toggles or something that, that you know, cast some ice water in them to help you stay, keep your core body temperature cool. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, I have to agree, you just got to get out there. You got to You got to suffer. You got to swim through the soup for a while um, and get used to it. Uh, when I first, first got into ultra running, uh, I went out west and uh, did some running in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, and it actually went and trained on part of the Leadville course uh, at elevation. And I had never experienced elevation before. Uh, certainly nothing like that, you know, 11,000 feet. Right. Uh, and I, I couldn't sleep at night. I was wheezing, couldn't breathe. Uh, and uh, the friend that I was out running with came back uh, to Tennessee and we ran a little bit and it was the middle of the summer and uh, 
the the heat and humidity was way worse comparatively speaking than than the elevation was and I think a lot of people, not to sound so overly East Coast biased here, <laughs> but I think a lot of West Coast folks say, oh, well, what about the elevation? Hey, listen, let's go run up and down Lookout Mountain a couple of times. Elevation's not nearly the same, but July, 90% humidity, I guarantee you that it's going to kick your butt more. Uh, and you just, you just got to get out and do it until you're, until you're used to it. You know, Andy Jones Wilkins has said numerous times on podcasts that I've host, um, <laughs> that, that heat and humidity training is a great substitute for altitude. Ah. So a lot of people that want to do Leadville, want to do those high altitude races, but live where we live, which we're 600 feet above sea level, mm -hmm. that you really, I mean, some of us can afford altitude tents, but most of us can't. <laughs> but that heat and humidity training is a great substitute for altitude training. And it sounds like, Ben, what you're saying kind of. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, obviously there's physiological issues, uh, but you can't substitute toughness. Right. right. Like like the psychological side of ultra running is, in my opinion, way more important than the physiological side. If you guys could see me physically right now, you would realize not impressive. Right. I'm just a little guy. <laughs> uh, I have the physique of an athletic 11 year old girl. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I've, I've had some, some athletic success, uh, in, in, uh, wrestling and mixed martial arts and running, uh, and it's all between the ears. Uh, and I think being able to get out and, and go run in the heat and humidity. And by the way, getting out and running in the morning, that's a non-starter for me. I hate it. I can't get out of bed and go run. Uh, so I just. I would rather deal with the one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon heat and humidity. Uh, and sure, suffer. sure. It's more it's more comfortable to run early in the morning when it's yes. cool, but yes. that is not helping you as far as heat, heat right. acclimation. Yeah, yeah. It sucks. I, I agree. Wake up. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Ben is not a morning person, is what we're learning. And there's that piece from here. this from this podcast right here. What about okay, Stafford? And I I kind of thought about this last episode that there's a lot of new people coming to the podcast that aren't familiar with you. You were an uh, you were a pilot. You're an Army helicopter pilot for yeah. the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. And if you look that up, everybody, they're the ones that, that fly the Navy SEALs and Delta Force and all these people that don't have names into those places they can't talk about. Right, and then they right. come pick them up. Stafford Never at that time was one of the best <laughs> chopper pilots in the, in the world, which means he is Remember you were talking about anal people before Donna? Yeah. He is. <laughs> he he is so over-organized and like like he has everything written down in charts. I remember doing a race once and Jeff went on some government thing and printed out topographical maps of the entire right. area right. to figure out a more accurate elevation thing. Right. I'm like, is my tax dollars paying for that? Yes. <laughs> if, if, I just want to say, if he was taking me in there and dropping me off in some place that I wasn't supposed to be... I would want him to be that way. That's right. That's you know, right. I would want him to be just as anal as he could be. <laughs> drop me in there just as quietly as could be and get back out. <laughs> where are you going with all this? I'm, where I'm going with all that, I want people to know who the Stafford is because I figure there's some new people yeah. listening to the Adventure right. Jogger that have never listened to any other who podcast that, that I've hosted. Yeah. Uh, but I want to brag on Stafford for a second. But I also want to set it up because, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and talk heat acclimation with Jeff Stafford, who's going to give a lot of information 
question. So you may want to you may want to get a pencil out or something. Jeff Stafford, what are your tips on heat acclimation? Well, I, first of all, I would say I would second with both both of you guys have said about you got to get out there and do it in the morning time when it's cooler and at night it's no you need to get out there at one two three four o'clock in the afternoon hot. and just grind it out and you're right ben it's all it's all mental game but as a precursor to that i think hydration is a pretty big key to that yes. you better get used to drinking a lot of water or or white White claw. That, that was, it's, it's an acceptable substitute. It'll do. But water is important. I know, Ryan, you drink a lot of water, even at work yeah, every day. You yeah. just got to, yeah. you got to make, you almost have to force yourself to do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But hydration is, is, yeah, is a the key. big key. Yes. Yes. What I do you agree. find is the, is the level of misery? Like how many miserable weeks do you need to heat acclimate when running becomes fun again? Like what is the time limit oh, or time it frame of when you notice like, oh God, it's hot and humid. My performance has dropped drastically to when all of a sudden you start actually enjoying running again. Smitherman? I don't enjoy running. At <laughs> least <laughs> let, let me get that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I only do it for the white claw. That's that's right. I, I do it because I have a, a pizza and donuts habit, and otherwise I will be dead. That's me. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I really think that it depends on the year. Uh, I feel like this year we have been really, really lucky. Like, yes. I don't want to yes. jinx it, but it's... I'll agree. So far, June, so good. Yes. Nearly June, and I haven't felt like death a single yeah. time yeah. yet. And uh, like we said earlier, usually mid-April, you're, we're already starting to suffer. You're whining already. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so <laughs> uh, I think that it really just depends on the year. Sometimes it jumps on, on as quick, uh, and uh, you can get, just get over it and a hurry uh and sometimes it just kind of drags out and you get a couple of weeks where it's really bad and then it sort of goes back to to comfortable for a week or two uh so i don't know if i have a good answer for how long it takes uh i can tell you that it really depends for me uh, where i am in terms of uh my training cycle uh so if i if i am dead set training uh for uh, a goal like a couple summers ago training for an Ironman, and i was doing it through the the heat of the summer i felt like it was much much easier to acclimate but it was because i had purpose right i knew i had to be out there and i knew i had goals uh targets to hit uh, for almost every workout uh whereas if i don't have a race not to sound like one of those anal people but <laughs> if i don't have uh, an a race uh on on the calendar uh, i just kind of drag out and it's a lot more miserable but again i think that goes back to what's between the ears not necessarily what's happening physiologically donna anything to add um i think it depends on the individual too you know uh getting out there how long it'll take you to get to that point um which hydration is really good and i don't want to be the only one here that don't have a per se drawed out plan i just get out there and run i mean i know how much i want to run if if i have something that's coming up i don't have a per se plan i'll do eight miles this day or 10 miles this day or you know then i'll do a longer run later on so i don't really i'm not one that keeps track of every how many miles i've done how quick i've done it in you know, I'm just old school. I don't have uh, Strava, which that's probably something that'll come up here in a little bit. I do not have that. You know, I use the old paper where, okay, I went out today and done 10 miles, right? 10 miles down. 
you know. But I might, you know, because I'll go out and start my watch. Yeah. I'll go out and do however many mileage I want. Come back. I'll look at it and see what time it was and just write it down. You know, I, I try when I'm doing my marathons, I try to get where I can comfortably go out and don't have to look at my, like, and hit a nine-minute pace and keep that pace. But I can do it, I can tell it by my way my body feels. Right. I don't, I don't have to look down at my watch. On the, I don't want to be occupied by looking at my watch and keeping track of all that. So it's just, it, I think it's different for different people. Gotcha. You know, um, I can, I want to say maybe it might take me a couple weeks before I can just go out there and run. And, yeah. But I don't feel like I'm really getting much in my training if I don't come back soaking wet. Right. You know, and at, at this time from one to two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you, you like better you come back swimming. with some yeah. sweat on you. you yeah, know? you look like you just jumped so, through a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I'm getting my money's worth when I really go out for a run. I come back and I'm all sweaty and, right. you know. So, I mean, I'm not real technical. I'm not high tech. I, I just old school, go out and run, see what it feels like. If, if that was too hard on me, then I might slow down a little bit the next time, you know. And just kind of judge it by that, but just by the feel. It isn't having a paper running log like like gospel, though? Like, I, I have that, too. I've logged every mile on paper since 1998. And wow. And if, if my house caught on fire right now, like, the oh one thing. No, I keep my running logs in, in, a, in a fire safe. Well, I've got running logs. Yeah. They're on a bookshelf. If my house caught on fire, huh, hey, I'm getting out of the house. <laughs> you know. yeah. The running log's no good. I don't care, you know. Those are past years, but how long have you been running? Since 1998. Okay. Yeah, yeah so whatever that is, 22. Do you have 22 years worth of running logs? Yep. Wow. Sweet wow. mother of God. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a fireproof safe? Yeah, I keep I keep my, well, the one I, that I'm currently in, and, and by the way, they're not like neat and organized. They're just like a notebook or like a spiral book that I had when I was a sophomore in sure. high school. Yeah. And oh, they're yeah. all mismatching. In, in, so it's a spiral it, notebook with a, with a Lamborghini Countach on it. No, yeah. <laughs> so he's got some actual lined paper that has the wood chips in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Does your wife Lisa know Frank you're going, Holder. does your wife know you're going for these log books? When the house catches on fire. Hey, listen, if she's not out of the house already, <laughs> I love her. You might her to have just death. lost a couple of points there. I love no, her. She's to all death. about saving the towels. I got you. <laughs> we do have the tiger rule. The rule is if we're at the zoo and the tiger gets out of its cage, I don't have to run faster than the tiger. I have to run faster than you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So while I love her very much, I haven't been training all these years. Carol Baskin might have something to say about that. I hear you. Carol Baskin might have something to yep, say about that. Yep, yeah. yep. Be worried, Ben, if your wife covers you with sardine oil. Right. That's, that's when you have to be really worried. Here, use this new hair oil I brought you. It smells like sardines, honey. Yes, what is, what this. is this? Use this. Jeffrey, you've been dying to say how long it takes Jeff Stafford. He I know how long knows. it takes I, me. No one's surprised that you know this. It takes me three weeks. Okay, but you're not too far off. It's three weeks of dead suck summer weather, like 90, 92, 93 degrees every day, three weeks. Then I know I'm fully heat acclimated. Mm -hmm. That's how Stafford knows. 
All right, good stuff all the way around. I think we have like we've provided an educational uh, benefit to this podcast. Someone can take something else other than Ben Smitherman's brown towels. They can take something out of this. What about sports drink? <laughs> oh, we're gonna get to that in a second. We're gonna get to that in a second. One thing this was actually emailed to me um, from theadventurejogger.com. This is a great question. I thought we could kind of go around the horn on this one, and we'll start with Ben Smitherman. Um, what do you wish you? What, what do you know now? that you wish you knew when you started running? Uh, gosh, I'm going to misquote Melter so bad. Uh, but something that I learned uh, a while back, what did he say? Something to the effect of, you have to realize it's not always going to get worse. Very true. Uh, like, at some point, it's going to suck less than it sucks right now. And it might suck just as bad for a while, but at no point is it, right. is, is it always going to continue to suck more. <laughs> and once you realize that, hey, it just hurts and I'm just kind of grumpy right now, but this is as low as I get. Well, then you you never hit rock bottom. You never go into that dark cave place, which I kind of like yeah. anyway. Like, I kind of thrive in that chip on your shoulder, angry. Like, I, when I'm out on the trails, it's not uncommon for me to just kind of scream and yell curse words at nothing or myself. Uh, and uh, then, you know, calories hit the system and uh, you get a little hydration and you feel better and you realize you're, you know, counting down miles instead of counting up miles. And uh, you, it's just better. Uh, so, yeah, that was I don't know when I learned that lesson, uh, but realizing that it doesn't always get worse uh, really has made it so that I can get through the tougher miles. Do you know what so you brought up something that's really interesting? And I, I, I see a lot of people on, on trail and ultra running and the East Coast Trail and Ultra Runners Facebook page talking about, OK, I just ran, you know, 30 miles for my long run. When am I ready? Excuse me. That's a white clock coming back. When am I ready for a 50 miler? When am I ready for a 100 miler? There's a beauty in the rally in the physical rally and you have those so many times during those long races where you're like okay how am i gonna I, i'm miserable at mile 30 how am i gonna get through the next 70 miles right. and you and you just you you, you kind of go into the dumps and then the nutrition hits or whatever and then all of a sudden you get this rally and you're running miles like for the last five miles you were walking this 15 minute pace yeah. and then all of a sudden everything kind of goes right you get the nutrition in you, you get your hey i can run again yeah right you're back to running running nine minute miles again out on the trails like you'd never ran a step the, the rally is a beautiful thing and it exists i have athletes all the time ask me things like how many miles can you run or they say things like oh i could never run that far and my response is always the same if you can run one you can run them all yes how many miles can you run all of them they may not be fast they may not be enjoyable right. but you can get them done that's right all right, Jeff Stafford, something you know now that you wish you would have known when you started running. I would say with the advent of the interwebs <laughs> that is, that and, is. and all the knowledge that's out there about running, um, you can learn, absolutely learn everything you need to know in one year or less. The key is following through with it. Yes. In other words, you know... If you're running a 100-mile race, you should take in X amount of calories every hour. Right. Yes. And then, but you find yourself pushing through 20, 30 miles, you're like, 
oh man, I've only had like 300 calories, but I feel fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, right. Or, or right. same with fluids. Yeah. I'm a little behind, but I feel great. No big, no big deal. It's, you need to learn, you, you need to teach yourself to employ all those tactics and in a timely manner. Yeah. That's, that's the key. All right. Good stuff. Donna England. Um, I would tell people that are thinking about doing this or want to do this, just go ahead and go for it. You know, what are you going to lose? You're, you you're will learn, learn it. <laughs> you're going to learn one way or the other. One way and or I, the other. I don't mean just go from sitting on the couch to running a 50-mile race. Right. You know, you have to get get your mindset right and get in there. And if you're just thinking about go on and start. Start with that first first run, that first step, and see how good you can do it. And just get it in your mind that I can do this. And, and go for it. You know, just don't keep sitting back thinking, well, what if such and such? What if such and such? And quit doubting yourself. Just get out there and do it. You know, and like you said, there's all kinds of information out there that oh, yeah. you can read read on. But you have to apply it. And That's the key. You have to see what works for you because one – not everything's going to work for the same person. Nope. You know, I, I, I've got myself acclimated where I can go out for a run. I don't have to take water with me. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. Depending on how much mileage. You know, I know. It's like from, your col- your caloric intake. Yes. You, when I first started running, I thought I needed 350, 400 calories an hour. Yeah. No. And I was eating it, but. You don't you, really you need You can't it. absorb all that, yeah, first of you all. Don't, that's, yeah. that's why you poop yourself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, don't don't be scared. Just go out there and try it. Go but out it's, there and, it's and, different for everybody. Exactly. You and that's the main thing. It's is. different. But don't just sit there and think about it. Go on and start. You know, go on and get out there and, and start it and see how, how it's going to go, you know. Don't just, oh, I don't know I'll ever do that. I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. You can do it. You just got to get your mindset, and I'm going to do it. And just start with a 10-mile race. or Yeah, like plan know? something that yeah. is out of your comfort zone, but exactly. obtainable, and then get there and do that. Yes. Um, by the way, I want to remind you, Jeff, speaking of nutrition, remember that time you decided to run that race on those homemade egg and, and rice oh. bars? Oh. Traveler. Oh. That was a, I told you that was a stupid idea. He had these rice and well, egg great bars. Fuel. It's great fuel, but if you let it sit out in the hot sun for five hours, yeah, it's not. Oh. He was carrying around. Egg? Yes. Oh. He was carrying around these little, these little uh, uh, bars that he made at home. I know he made them. They're good. It's good fuel. Yeah, exactly. But he had these rice, Ben, it was rice <laughs> and egg in like a bar. And he had them wrapped in saran wrap and he had them in his, in his, in his vest. That's why you poop yourself. <laughs> I'm just going to say here for something like that. Or projectile one of, vomit. <laughs> one of the best things is a payday candy bar. Those, Those are very are good. good. They've got yeah. the peanuts, they got the salt and the sugar in them. They're not going to melt. No. You know, they might get a little smashed a little bit, carry them in your pack. Yeah. But that's one of the good good things to take is payday candy bar, right? Speaking of things that we wish we had always known, uh, <laughs> nutrition is, I, I think, one of those things that you can't plan a hundred percent because your body's it's just going to, yeah. you, you can't know what your stomach's going to do at mile 60 unless you've run 60. And then you can't know what it's going to feel like at mile 60 today because you ran 60 a year ago. Uh, I have realized that I need to have a goodie bag of an assortment of things mm-hmm. and just go by feel. Like I know about how many calories I need to take in and what sounds, what, what sounds like it will taste good is probably what I need to take in because if I eat one more gel, 
it's going to make me nauseous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I I recently did a 12 hour race and it was fantastic because it was a one mile loop. And I know that sounds terrible to everybody listening. Uh, but the best part was it meant that I had my aid station every single mile. And so every mile or two or three or four or however I felt. I could grab whatever I wanted. And I joked earlier about my wife jumping up and going to buy me a Coke because she did. Because at about mile 45, I said, I really need a red Coca-Cola classic. And she looked at me like, seriously? Straight up Coke. And I said, yep. And she showed back up about 20 minutes later with a 20 ounce red Coca-Cola classic. And it got me through the next 35 miles of that race. Uh, So I think that that's important that you can't schedule your nutrition for a a hundred mile race. You might be able to do it for a 50 K race because you know, your stomach's probably not going to turn over in five hours or six hours. Uh, But in 24 hours, yeah, there's your stomach's going to turn over a couple of times uh, and you just, you have to be prepared for that. Uh, so try not to hold yourself completely accountable. Just make sure you're getting good calories and you're keeping them going in. Uh, not too much, not too little, you know, just keep it in that range that, that works for you. Jeff's taking care of his dog. Which dog is this? It's the only dog I have. Well, I, I, I can't remember the name of the dog. The other three are buried in the backyard. Come that's, on, man. That's not a joke. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> What's this one's name? Olivia. 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 Okay, it's Olivia's dog. Now, that's really the nutrition thing is right on the money, and it's really and it's kind of you know, it's funny because you get these hard and fast rules. I remember talking to Michael Warding about that, and and you're right. You have that flexibility mm-hmm. is what what saves you. And God, when you go into an aid station, you're looking at that smorgasbord. Your brain always, your eyes always seem to yeah. dr- gravitate to. What you need to mirror what what Ben was saying is I've I've heard and read in a couple different places. If you go in an aid station, kind of look at it this way: Would you rather have a hamburger, a piece of cake, or some potato chips? Right. Okay. If you want the hamburger, you probably need protein. If you want the cake, you need something sweet to get your your system yeah. Yeah. fired back up. If you want potato chips, your body needs salt. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I, there's these great gels, and I only I can only use them during the the, the winter because it's just they're salted caramel, and it's it, oh. it, in the middle of summer. It, it's horrible. You do not want oh. that in the middle of summer. But in the fall and winter, they're fantastic. And what the great thing about them is, if they taste more salty than caramelly then you know something's off with your salt level. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. I will say this about Coca-Cola. You know how you know when you're older? You like Coca-Cola and you will not tolerate Pepsi. No. When I was a kid. <laughs> Straight up Coke, Oh, baby. man. When I was a kid, I remember doing the Coke uh, the challenge. The Coke challenge where they go to the grocery stores and they would set up that blind yeah. taste test. And you get a little thing of Pepsi, a little, a little thing cup. of Coke. And then you'd, you'd take it and see yeah. which one you like the most. And I, I always chose Pepsi. I was like, oh, Pepsi's the choice of a new generation. Coke's for old people. Coke's from the South. And, yeah. But now, <laughs> now that I'm in my 40s, I, I can't. Like, I take a swig of Pepsi. I'm like, what is this sugar garbage? This honey mommy bird water? I need a Coke. And there is honestly nothing better than a red Coca-Cola classic in the middle of a race. Oh, my God. When you're like, this is, I hate my it's life like electricity right now. going through right. your veins. I hate my life right now. I'm an idiot. And then you see that and you're like, oh. That's how you know. It doesn't always get worse. <laughs> right, right. Because there's, there's going to be Coke there. Okay, now, Ben. You make your own sports drink, and I can't have you leave before you tell us 
what what is this homemade Ben's, White Claw. Ben's yeah. homemade sports drink? Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, it, it, it's called Natural Light. Uh, it's it comes in cans. <laughs> Uh, Natties. No. I, I I realized uh, that that uh, endurance sports drinks are expensive, and yeah. I am a uh, runner on a budget. Uh, so Aren't I decided to, yeah. to to look into how much it would cost to get the the, the ingredients and make my own, uh, and it's really really cheap. Uh, so um, the the fundamental mix for for what I make is maltodextrin, uh, and it's supposed to be like four parts to one maltodextrin to fructose. But I just kind of eyeball it, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. fructose is sweeter, and I like sweet, so there's probably more fructose when I mix it than than normal. Uh, but Maltodextrin, fructose. Uh, I put. I use a little bit of soy protein uh, for longer workouts. If I'm doing, say. Uh, one to two hour workouts. I don't mix any protein, but if I'm doing like like uh, you know a five hour run or, or you know a twelve hour you need race, it then, yeah. Yeah. then I'll add uh, a little bit. So maybe um, uh, you know if I'm using half a cup of maltodextrin, I might add a teaspoon of of uh, uh, soy protein, uh, a little bit of table salt. Uh, and again, like maybe a, a teaspoon of table salt. Uh, and then I add whatever flavor I want. You can use Kool-Aid packs. I use uh, Tropical Punch Gatorade mix just a little bit. Uh, you probably could mix it with White, White Claw. Claw. <laughs> uh, we have a variety of flavors. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, um, I, again, I'm, I'm not like uh, Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen or anything, but uh, I just kind of mix it, uh, the powder uh, in a big like gallon uh freezer bag and shake it up real good and then like uh on a a long workout i can just put a scoop in a bottle of water and shake it up and there you go so so you it's all dry ingredients and you mix the dry ingredients Mm -hmm. where do you get the stuff from where do you get like the maltodextrin and the fructose from? uh amazon yeah. Really? Okay. The, the, the interwebs. You, so yes, not only knowledge, you can also get products. That's right. right. So so <laughs> it's not Tailwind. It's Smitherman Wind. Correct. So the Smitherman Wind. Smitherman. What is it? What is it? You cost? What do you think roughly? You know, because a bag of of Tailwind's thirty bucks. The equivalent of Smitherman yeah, Wind would be I, what? I did the math when I first started looking at it, and I think it was about four to one. I think I'm. I think I'm. It's about a twenty five percent the cost of what wow. I was paying. For. Wow. For I, I was a perpetuum guy. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was about four to one the cost savings. And you think I could buy a, a big bucket of the stuff uh, of perpetuum powder and it's going to last me three months, or I can buy the same amount and it's going to last me two years. Uh, and so I haven't had I've, I haven't had to rebuy product in a, a year and a half now. Wow! Yeah, if we done that, we could afford some races. Heck we? yeah, we could. Man, Don and I were talking earlier. Yeah. She remembers races when they were thirty dollars and you got a shirt. Now they're a hundred and fifty dollars for a fifty k and you don't get a shirt. Exactly. So I think and if it was we were a good make, shirt, a good shirt, <laughs> it was. Yeah. If we were to make our own, I think our biz, biggest sunk cost would be White Claw. It would probably be the <laughs> biggest chunk of that would yeah. be would be White Claw. Before we go and. Thank you guys so much for coming. This has been a lot of fun. We've we've laughed a little bit. We've learned some things. I want to go outside the world of running just for a minute here. We've all been kind of stuck in the house doing things because of the COVID-19. You talked about watching Netflix earlier. What's a show you've discovered and binged while you've been stuck in the house because of the Rona? So I've watched the entire Netflix, uh, (laughs) the entire catalog. 
Oh, oh no Netflix goodness. left. Uh, gosh, let's see. Uh, I uh, so I was a big Breaking Bad fan. Yeah, great show, and I've discovered Better Call Saul. Also, an incredible show. I think that's underrated, and I think everybody should add that to their list. Of course, I also watched Tiger King. No shame. No yes, shame here at yes. all. Fantastic. I will never financially recover from this. Correct. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've binged a bunch of shows, uh, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Outlander. Uh, I've heard about if, the, the Outlander. That's where the gal touches the rocks and she goes back in time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of a Fifty Shades of Grey crowd type. <laughs> Stafford's going, what, what network is what? this on? <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google that. It's on Stars. That's yeah. a, you, don't, you don't get that one. So those are your recommendations. Those are your, 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 your Smitherman picks. Uh, yeah, I, I think those are good. I've watched a bunch of documentaries, but I'm weird, so I watch documentaries about just about anything. Yeah. Food, animals, sports, sometimes. Yeah, just good about stuff. anything. What about you, Donna? What have you been watching during the I Rona? I have been watching a lot of Paw Patrols. I uh, keep my <laughs> granddaughter. She just had a birthday today. She just turned three. Well, congratulations. So we watch Paw Patrols a lot. And when she's napping, I like uh, Dr. Pole on Nat Geo Channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Dr. Pole, I, right? I mean, I, I've started from the very beginning and watched all of that. I like a lot of... Uh, true crime shows and yeah. stuff like that but I don't watch them while she's up no you can't watch we them watch, they, call, watch the, the they call those stuff. murder porn and you can't watch those <laughs> I, I watch the good stuff when right. she's up and going so. hey, grandma's watching another 48 hours get out uh, <laughs> but you're gonna you're, you're ready to have another one yes you're gonna be a grandma again again that's kind of exciting yes and your 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 daughter and son-in-law are it's my son, son and daughter-in-law daughter yeah. they're, they're kicking it old school and they don't know right right they don't know hadn't found out didn't know about the first one and we was surprise was little Annie yeah and so she's going Thursday to bring home boy or girl yeah. well, I wanted to know, what color did they paint the nursery having no idea do you go with like a beige or a gray or I'm thinking they went gray I think okay yeah you can't go wrong with gray yeah. or maybe it's blue okay like a bluish yeah and, okay yeah I gotcha so did you know Ben did you and your wife know uh, I have stepkids, step so kids. I oh, did know. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, yeah, I guess. You know exactly guess. what color to paint their rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Twin boys and a, and a daughter. Yeah. All right. Back to the streaming stuff. Stafford. Oh. Well. What have you been watching? Because Jeff's here all by I've his I've been watch Oak Island. What is that? Oh, oh geez. Come on, man. You got to get I've on the on the Discovery Channel. You got to get on there. Is this an island oak, where it's all oak? oak no, 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 no. It's just well, there's some oak. They're hunting a variety of oak trees. Oh, okay. And they're hunting treasure. It's buried deep within the island. Blah blah blah. And it's it's a good show. Watch that. Oak Island and Gold Rush. Okay, is that I, the is that there's another Discovery Channel like a yeah, what is fake? Yeah, it's all Discovery. Okay, Gold Rush. On Gold Rush, did they ever find it? The treasure. I watched some no, of it no, up no, to... No, 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 Gold okay. Rush is where they actually... No, not Gold I, Oak Island, that's it. Oak Island. Oh, Oak Island. Yeah. Are they you find kidding? It? No, they haven't found it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I watch it, that's, watch it. They, 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 I know, they, they keep on They set the hook and they yeah. just keep pulling you in. So, when I got rid of my satellite, I don't watch Oak Island anymore. You can't watch Oak Island. But you please, when they find the treasure, will you please I'll, text Donna? Let I'll let know. you know. Let me know. <laughs> my wife and I, we've been binging this show called Poldark. Have you heard of this thing? Hmm. It's this show, this British fella who was in the Revolutionary War and captured. He goes home. He's a lord, and his 
father's died and his estate's in shambles and he's got to rebuild everything in in like late 1700s england pole dark pole dark p-o-l-d-a-r-k it's like downton abbey 200 years earlier it is british drama i'm ashamed to admit i like it as much as i do you, you know this is america right <laughs> <laughs> we, we we stopped liking america. them about that time it just that British drama gets me every time. I just can't. I just can't help it. But that's good. We've covered a lot of bases. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you guys, Ben. You're attempting the FKT tomorrow morning. What time do do you leave? Uh, we will leave the house about three forty-five a.m. Oh, yeah, that's early. Yep. And then what? Five thirty. You're gonna get started as soon as it's daylight. So the 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 North South Trail at Land Between the Lakes in Kentucky and Tennessee is fifty-eight. It's, I've heard fifty-nine. 5961-ish. I've heard like 58 to 61. (laughs) The the current FKT is 10 hours and... 36, I think, 1036. Okay, and it's it's a a pretty... It's not many people have tried it. I know Kyle Curtin, who is the Tahoe 200 course record holder, he's attempted it multiple times and got lost (gasps) a couple of times. So that's the recon. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, I actually have tried to hike it through hike it one time and uh, a buddy of mine got out there and got lost. Yep. Uh, so we've joked that it's cursed. Uh, and just because it's the south and I want to point this out, uh, I didn't I don't remember getting out of the car today and still found ticks on me. <laughs> it's yep. LBL is good for that. And the northern section is a little trickier to navigate than the southern half. So best of luck to you. What's the what's the goal? Do you just want you want to crush it? Do you want to? Uh, so if ten thirty six and one second is the current <laughs> record, uh, ten thirty six and zero seconds is my That's, goal. That'll do. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I I I don't know. It's I've got a fifty fifty shot. If everything goes right, uh, I think that I can I can run under that. Uh, but again, it's it's ultra running. I mean, right. You never know. Yeah. You know how often does everything go right? Exactly. Well, Jeff and I are planning to join you for the last. Uh, 11 to 12 miles uh, tomorrow. It should be a lot of fun. So fingers crossed that things go well. Um, and you're, and we hear from your wife that you're doing well and we'll, we'll meet you out there. And hopefully by the time this podcast is released on Monday, we will know if Ben Smitherman is the new FKT holder for the LBL North South trail. Best of luck to you, Ben. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Don't forget the brown towels. <laughs> we are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search the adventure jogger on Patreon or go to the adventure Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 